Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're talking USC Fall Camp with Coach Harvey Hyde. Got a lot of questions to get to. A lot of interesting news over the weekend. We're going to try to get to all of that. Uh, so send in your questions to us. We do love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. So you can give us a call, 641 715 3900 extension 816-646. Leave us a voicemail. Please try to keep it under a minute. We've been getting three and four minute voicemails. We are not going to be able to play those voicemails. They're just way too long. Keep it short. Keep it concise. And we will play your voicemails. You can also go to peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave us a voicemail there. And of course, you can download the podcast through iTunes, itunes.com slash Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Leave us some positive feedback. We love to hear from you there, too. And it really helps the overall site. And wanted to jump in it with Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Well, good morning, Ryan, and good morning, uh, all our listeners out there. It's been a busy weekend for all of us. Uh, before we get started, Ryan, I do want to mention my Twitter account, at Coach Harvey Hyde, at Coach Harvey Hyde, because as the season gets going here, I... I use it almost every day with different topics or different shows I'm doing. And if you want to sort of log in or listen to them on uh, the website or whatever, you certainly can. And you can uh, follow me or I'll follow you or whatever, and we can all be part of the the family. So I just wanted to get that in there. And, Ryan, you might want to give out yours too. Yeah, Coach, you can follow Coach at Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, you can follow me at Inside Troy and USCFootball.com. Our regular Twitter is um, at the peristyle so you can click at the peristyle some cool stuff there on twitter we do like to tweet and have some fun with all of that um wanted to thank our sponsor before we kind of get into anything else uh southern california tickets you can go to sctickets.com uh and check them out there give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for sporting events of course the season's coming up a couple home football games right off the bat go to sctickets.com and they will hook you up and help you out. And, uh, Coach, okay, so the big news, and we don't want to make this, I just want to let people know, we don't want to make this podcast all about uh, what happened at Salute to Troy. We're not going to ignore it, though. We want to talk about the beginning and then get to all this. We want this to be about football, and, the, and fall camp is still, you know, fall camp is basically over now. They're getting game preparations. We got questions about the team, and we want to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde about all that. But we do have to, we want to address this right up front. Um Talking about what happened, Steve Sarkeesian and at the salute to Troy. Um, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, coach. We had a, we had a bunch of people kind of write in and, and questions. We're not going to get to a lot of them, but people wanted to know what it means. Uh, could it affect recruiting? Um, that, you know, a lot of parents are kind of concerned with what the kids think and things like that. So a lot of kind of topics, I guess, for, from this, uh, from this incident, coach. Well, I tell you, it's a very delicate matter. But it's not a secret, and I think that's why we can talk about it. It's not a secret to us. It's not a secret nationally. It's basically not an L.A. Uh, media item or a USC item. It's become a national item. I mean, uh, yesterday I saw it 
all over the country. Uh, I saw it uh, this morning. I haven't spoken or listened to, excuse me, a uh, show or a sports topic show that hasn't made it one of their subjects. Uh, so it has exploded into a huge story. And there's all different ways people look at this story. They look at it as how Pat Hayden will handle it. Were they aware of this? Why it's the salute to Troy? Why over the past two or three years they've had an incident at salute to Troy? Over the past two years, uh, it's getting to be where uh, it's something that uh, doesn't fit as far as what salute to Troy means. And it's a very uh, precious, uh, it signifies the end of camp. It's the start of the football season. The regents, the presidents, the donors, the families of the football players, they honored the 1965 team with Mike Garrett with a standing ovation. It's a special, special event. And uh, it does affect, to me sit here and say, it doesn't affect the program, then I would be lying. For me to sit here and say it doesn't affect what the nation thinks, I would be lying. But for me to comment on what Pat Hayden's uh, role is and what he should do, that's not my job. That's This is not my football program or our football program. It is the university's football program to lead it in the manner they want to lead it and make the decisions that are necessary for them to make. So I'm not going to get into whether I think this should happen or that should happen, because it's not my decision, and it doesn't. And I'm not in any way going to advocate any one thing or another about anything negative regarding what should happen. I'd, I'd try to be honest with you before we get started, so that uh, you understand where I'm coming from. But it's something that will affect the program. It is something that two weeks away from your opening game to have this incident happen affects the team, affects the image of the team. It affects the three teams he mentioned and the rest of the country as far as what his thoughts were about them. It affects recruiting. It affects the verbal commits. You can imagine uh, now what... Uh, will be going on in the recruiting wars. That's that's all I can say on that. Uh, because schools aren't always positively recruiting, like telling them the kids all about their school and how great it is. They can't help but tell you what's wrong with other people's schools. So it's um, it's too bad. I feel sorry for Coach Sarkeesian. I want you to know that because it's a very difficult situation that he's in. He's had a lot of things this summer or since the end of the season or the spring happened and uh, in his personal life. And uh, I'm sure this is all affecting what's going on and also the pressure of being ranked number one in the Pac-12. That's additional pressure and uh, all of the above. But, again, it's um, why you make $3 million a year. And it's a responsibility you accept when you sign your contract. And you're supposed to follow that leadership and lead in a way where you could obtain the goals of what the university expects. So 
So I think that's about the best way to say it. Yeah, Coach. No, I think it's it's a uh, you know well stated. It was very uh, interesting. Just so people know, uh, it was not an event that media were was allowed to attend, so we were not there. Um, we really were kind of going off what was happening on the message boards and Twitter, where a lot of the the fans were posting or tweeting. I can't believe you know I can't believe this happened. Blah blah. blah kind of talking about everything that happened. Um, there was a statement Sunday morning from USC from. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Pat Hayden, Steve Sarkeesian apologizing for his uh, behavior and for his language. And then uh, Pat Hayden saying that, um, you know, he expresses disappointment until he represented himself and USC. Um, he said he wouldn't, ex- you know, share the details, but he's confident that Sark heard his message loud and clear. So that's the kind of statement. It was very brief from USC. It was su- uh, Sunday morning. And then, like you said, there's a lot of people kind of talking about it now, of course, and it's, you know, every sports show you turn on, you're going to see that. We won't really have an update unless USC sends something else out until Tuesday morning. That's the next USC practice. So we'll be down there. You, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is scheduled to speak. Um, we'll see kind of what happens. We just really don't know at this point, coach. But I mean, the one thing that's, uh, you know, I've got so many texts from fans and former players and media members and it, the, the thoughts are, Coach, all over the, the globe. I mean, people are adamant one way or the other, like nothing should happen or he should be fine. I mean, it's crazy how wide and how passionate people are. It's like They feel like this is the only right answer. And I guess with people on all sides of this, I mean, we really don't know what the answer is. And, you know, we're kind of just in a wait and see mode to see what USC does, if anything. Yeah, right. See, you just mentioned something I wasn't even aware of that media isn't uh, allowed to be at this event. Now, see, I didn't know that. I've gone every year, okay? Maybe I'm not considered media. I'm invited by a group of friends who are people at USC, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, nobody said anything to me. (laughs) I don't know if it's a forbidden thing, Coach. It's more, I mean, we don't get like a media credential to go in there. Some people have gone in the years past, and usually like the regular beat writers – do not attend, but I, I, I've gone to it before, like, you know, years ago. And like with someone invited me in to sit at their table, um, uh, and the, you know, sports information department didn't say anything, but I guess probably something like this happening is why it's not a media event, but we don't get credentialed for it. But I also don't think it's a, you guys can't come in here sort of thing either. Well, I don't ask for credentials. You buy a ticket yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and you, and you go in, you know, and you know, I don't want to, talk about these things, um, but the media, uh, and uh, I guess they say on media, uh, you know, during this fall camp, it's been a difficult situation on them. Now, I'm not just talking about myself, I'm including everyone, of the practice philosophy of where you can watch practice and the difficulty of really being able to evaluate practice and the players and the scrimmages and everything that's going on. And uh, to sort of describe it to our listeners, and I'm not trying to say it was a secret because the practices were open to people. You could see it, but if you walk in the gate, people says to you, they tell you, Brian Kennedy, feel they say, go to the right. If you're media, go to the left. Now, when you go to the left, there's about a 15-yard or maybe the most 20-yard 
space with a rope around it where you huddle in there with all your media friends and get to know each other pretty good. And the rest of the field, the other 70 yards or 80 yards, are for all the fans and family members and so on to watch the practices. So the only drills that we really can see where we can evaluate closely and explain to you people is the drills that are in front of us in that area. The defensive line is way on the other side of the field. The offensive line, you can barely see them. I see some of the media people with binoculars. And, Ryan, if I'm not saying something that's correct in describing this, please interrupt me. Yeah, you're on. You're dead on. And then when the scrimmages start, the defensive side of the football comes at our side of the field and stands there and stands up. And when the field or the scrimmage moves away from us, there's no way in heck you can see anything. So it's been something that I've somewhat been awed about as far as uh, why that circumstance has been there. And, then, you know, uh, maybe I'm not supposed to question it, but it seems odd. I'm glad the practices are open. Sure, they could close the practice, all the practices to media if they wanted to. But it seems odd that that circumstance is in that situation. Now, I haven't heard anybody complain, say anything about it publicly, write it in their articles, any of that. I'm just describing what goes on. And everybody notices this out there. And Maybe somebody's going to come up to me and tell me you can't come to many more practices. Okay, that's fine. But I just want to tell the truth because people that have been to practice, they won't even allow them to come in our area. And we can't go in their area. So I don't understand that because it doesn't really give us an opportunity to cover and make you know valid statements on the practices that are going on at USC. To me, it doesn't. And you stand the whole time. Not that they should provide seats. If I wanted a chair, I would bring it and sit down, but then you couldn't see it all. So it, to me, it's a, it's sort of unique when you said to me, media is not allowed to go to salute Detroit. I mean, if they don't want us there, that's fine. They don't want us at football practice, that's fine. I, I can understand but to invite you to football practice and have you cover them as a beat writer and do what we're supposed to do, I don't think that makes all those guys real happy. And I think that at times when something negatively happens, I don't think people are in the right mood to say, okay, well, now, you know, uh, I'll get even, which is a terrible thing to say in a media. I hope nobody ever does that. But I just want to describe that because, uh, odd when you told me that they're not but I went down to the right I want to be honest with you I went down to the right when I came the first day of camp and I uh, walked down there I didn't know and I was asked to leave that area which is fine I did and I apologize for going down there but it just to me seems like very strange and uh, that if you're allowed to come you should have be able to stay within the guidelines of what you can see the practice if not just say, you know, just come and get the post-game interview or post-practice interview. Now, did I describe anything that's not the truth? No, you're, you're right, Coach, and I'm getting 
you know, now that camp is over, uh, the open practices are done. Um, so there's going to be less people watching. And I honestly, with this incident, I'm not, I won't be surprised if we get some kind of email, uh, later on, on Monday that changes practice policies again. Um, not that it was any fault of the media. Obviously the media wasn't there at this event. So it wasn't like something that he slipped, he slipped in front of the fans and the, the alumni. Um, and that's who really were the, you know, when there's outrage, that's where it's coming from. There's some people that aren't outraged. They just want it to go away. And there's other people that are completely outraged and can't believe this is happening. So like I said, both sides, but I kind of get the feeling coach. I just don't know. I'm, I'm really curious what's going to happen at practice on Tuesday, uh, tomorrow morning, just because we, we're just not sure. It's kind of uncharted territory. Um, you know, I, you know, last, last year with the Josh Shaw thing, weren't sure, you know, we were trying to talk about it after, you know, the fall camp practices. Now it's going to be this, you know, stuff with Steve Sarkeesian. So we'll see if they, they say anything else, which, but just this point coach, we're just not really sure. It's, uh, I mean, there's, there's never a lack of distractions. It seems around this program. And I guess for people that are fans of the team, that might not be a bad thing that this is a team that's used to having off field distractions. And, you know, this certainly counts as one of those, I would say. Well, you know, sometimes uh, I've had those type of distractions and I've rallied my team around them, whether it's about a, myself or our program or individuals in our program. So you try to rally around that and and come back. And the less comments you make about it, the faster it goes away. If you continually talk about it and you allow interviews, then there's more things to make comments on the right articles about. But if you're not sending out any comments, I can see the university's policy on this and saying, well, we don't want to talk about this. This is a done issue. I mean, what can he say? What are you going to ask him? The best is a no comment, and the best is to continue and moving on. Because if I was in that position, I'd want this to go away as soon as it can go away. So the longer you can allow discussions on it and interviews on it, the more stories you're going to have on it and people reading into what you meant by when you what you said. So I think it's best to let it go. And if they say the practices are closed or there's no post-game interview, I'm never at the post-game interviews anyway. You know, I'm not. I don't uh, talk to the coaches and players. I never interview the players. I feel that uh, you guys do a great job at that, and I get the reports from that. I like to stay where I'm away, and I and I feel as though I am uh, not involved where they're a friend of mine where it's difficult for me to be honest, and I do that about the entire program. So uh, I, I think this is something that they want to go away, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if practice will be open, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if you're not allowed to ask anything regarding this incident. I, I really do, and and between you and I, I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah because they want it to go away, Ryan. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I'm I'm curious to see what happens. You know, we just follow the rules. Whatever comes down, we you know cover the team the best of our ability. They make a rule you can do this, can't do that. We just have to follow it. So we'll we'll see what happens, our coach. And uh, I want to get into the questions about the football team. I know we, but we, you know, we didn't want to just glance over this. We had to at least you know address it. Um, but there's still a team to to get prepared. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian wasn't exactly happy heading into Salute to Troy because of the performance of the offense uh, during the the scrimmage. 
I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it, but certainly he was not real happy with the way the offensive line played. And we got a question. Um, it was a kind of a longer voicemail from our buddy Doug at the top of the grapevine. Uh, most of it was kind of a rant on Steve Sarkeesian didn't want him. Uh, he wants him to be fired and bring back Coach Orgeron. Uh, but the, the, the question, the original question he had was, uh, about the offensive line. He's just basically made the assumption because they struggled at the scrimmage on Saturday. They must not be good. And it has to be because of Bob Connolly. Um, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, coach, on the offensive line and what Doug was saying. Well, you know, it's easy to point fingers, you know, it, uh, uh, how, how long have you heard you? How long have I been doing this show with you? Uh, Ryan, uh, I mean, I think we started 2008, Kiffin, huh? Yeah, 2008. I think we started. All right. How long have you heard me say that you've got to be tough in the offense and defensive line, physically tough? Yeah, from physically the, from tough. day one. I say it every game, every show. You've got to be physical. You've got to be able to run the football. I said it last week. I believe when I said, if you don't believe me, watch the. Ohio State-Alabama game, and you'll watch an offensive line blow out of top defense. Why? Why were the quarterbacks so good at Ohio State? Why? All three of them? Because they could run the football. You've got to run the football. And if you don't have that philosophy where you emphasize it and you have an enforcer that makes it happen, you, you know, being nice doesn't mean or being tough doesn't mean you're not respected or liked. And you've got to be yourself. And and I don't see that type of fire in the offensive line. Now, they're talented, great kids, and they're all returning. But you got to have what you call aggressive, hard-nosed, elbows all bleeding, uh type of attitude, helmet cuts on all their noses, uh, get off the football. Pass blocking is easy because you've learned how to run block. Goal line offense is fun to do because you get to hit somebody type of philosophy. And when you get used to that, when the defense rises to the occasion, you're already playing to that intensity level. So you're going to have some fun with it. You like it. You like to be hit. You like to hit people. You want to hear some smashes. And I think this is something that doesn't just happen like, okay, guys, today I want you to be physical. No. It happens from day one. It's the personality of the head coach, the assistant coaches, the philosophy of the program. All of the above. So uh, I'm not saying the offensive line isn't a great offensive line. I'm just saying they got clean their lunch plate, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you remember as a head football coach, I'd say, damn, my defense is pretty good, and maybe we're not very good on offense, but that's a hell of a film to teach off of, to say, hey, look how these guys play on defense. we got to play at the same level that our defense plays at, and we're going to be damn good. We've got to play at that level because it's great to see that level of defense happening. Now, what has been the conversation on offense the entire week last week? Adore Jackson. Adore Jackson this. Adore Jackson kicking a field goal. Now, 
he is a great athlete. Don't get me wrong. And he can go either ways. But from day one, what have I told you? Play him on offense or play him on defense? Now, when they read that the whole week, the defense, about how he's going to do this, he wants to play 40 plays a game, and this and that, you know, wouldn't you as a defense get together and say, you know, we're going to kick their butt today. You know, they think they're so good over there, and so we're going to shut everybody up. And they did. They shut out Juju. They shut Dory down. Guys came up and played. The whole conversation last week was, what a great player he is, and what is he doing on offense? How do you think Stephen Mitchell and the rest of the receivers feel? I've been talking about morale the entire year, about guys going both ways. Yeah, I know Miles Jack does it. Okay. But you don't hear about it all the time. You don't hear about it every day. Then he kicks that field goal. Now, how do you, if you're a place kicker and you're competing and you're not having a great day and they're not, they haven't had great days out there and you have around, screw around and kick a field goal, hey, that's a serious thing, your kicking game. I mean, if he's going to be a field goal kicker, okay. But this is a, this is a business. This is, hey, Every minute of the day, you've got to take advantage of and utilize to get better. And this entire last week, I don't care what you people say, I read and saw, everything was the offense and the Dory Jackson and all the media people talking about him and you guys on your interviews talking about him. What a great player he is. And this, No doubt he is. But if you're a defensive player, what are you saying to yourself? I'm saying, hey, I'm looking forward to this scrimmage on Saturday. I'm going to line up and kick their butt. So this is what I'd be saying as a defensive coach, too. You don't think I would be? And this film can turn out to be a plus if done in that way and handled in that way, not be negative with the offensive side of the football, but use it as a positive way to say, guys, look at the type of defense we have that's going to get us to football. Let's look at this and learn from this and become a better football team. we got to play physical like they do. Not talk about it and humiliate them. Do it the right way. Now, that's me. Now, I'm not coaching now, but that's the way I'd do it if I was coaching. Go ahead. I'm sorry I rambled on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's all right. Well, we do have a lot of questions to get to, Coach. Well, so. I'm sorry. Maybe this show ought to be two hours. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, here, I'll jump into a voicemail question for you. Here you go. Randall in Dallas, and my question is for Coach Hyde. For fall camp now in the books, um, what is your overall thought of the defensive line? Who has stood out to you all camp, and who needs time to develop? I appreciate you doing the podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate doing it for you guys, but you guys appreciate it. I really do. Ryan didn't pay me anything, okay? Brian, Brian, just a tightwad. Yes. Huh? Yes, that's true. <laughs> I did, I'm just kidding. You. I love Brian. Okay, I love him. And I love his staff. I love all of you, too. But listen, uh, the defensive line, I think, has progressed. I think Chris Wilson was very happy with the way they played on Saturday. I think they've grown up. They're growing up. I think Greg Townsend is now starting to become what everybody expected him to be. He's got movement. He can play, get around. He can play. Now, before, you wondered if he could be healthy. He was healthy the entire camp. So I think that's good. I think Jacob Daniels is going to mature into a, an outstanding football player. 
I think uh, the guy that's been a little quiet is Kenny Bigelow, but I think Kenny Bigelow has got to get up and play and and uh, to his ability. Uh, Simmons, uh, Delvin Simmons, of course, has that setback with his knee, but today in scoping and getting back, they may have him back for the first game, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't play him the first game. I'd give him another week or two to get ready for Stanford. Not that, you know, you don't want him, but you need him for the past 12 schedule, believe me. And uh, I think on the other side, Cody Temple has paid a price, and he's a tough guy. Antoine Woods, uh, you know, is what he is. Jordan Simmons is a little hurt. He was held out. Uh, Noah Jefferson's uh, uh, will be coming along. He's a young, big kid that has never been hit like this and dominated in high school, but he's so much bigger than everybody else that he's learning how to play against big against big, which is something new to him. Richter, uh, the kid uh, from Loyola, I really haven't had a chance to evaluate him, Ryan. I feel bad about that, but where the defense works out down there and does their drills, it's hard it's been to impossible. see. Yeah. Huh? yeah, it's hard to see. I mean, I, I can't lie to you people because I can't see. I mean, it's behind the goalpost. Wait, if you, the only way they could be farther is on Dado Field. I, I'm just telling you, I don't know why they don't use Dado Field. Because this is how far, when I was explaining earlier to you, where the drills are for us to try to cover the drills and be honest with you with your answers. So, uh, I think that the defensive line, along with great outside rush guys like Houston and Ruffin, and these guys, the way they're coming along, I'm missing them. Houston, the younger kids, I miss Messina, the, the linebacker. You, you know the group. I don't have to go through all of them. I think got great depth. I think there'll be a better defense this year, better secondary this year. If they follow what we've been talking about all along, having fun, getting after people's butts, getting enthusiastic, go after them, stunt, blitz, don't let them know where you are, but you got great athletes doing it. And you want to put mismatches up with great athletes. And when you do that, it's not fun to play against the Trojans. The SC offense found out about that Saturday. They certainly did. <laughs> that was kind of, you know, interesting, though. We went from offensive line to defensive line. Uh, but yeah, the, the depth has been great on the line, and I think they're they're doing a great job. So it'll be a really interesting looking group without Leonard Williams, but a lot of different bodies there. Um, Tarek had a question for you, Coach. From what you've seen, do you, could you trust Cameron Smith? He's the freshman linebacker to be the starting middle linebacker and de facto captain of the defense. Well, that's a nice compliment to give the kid. Uh, I think he's young. He's got an attitude, good attitude. He's solid. He's consistent. He's learning. He's a hell of a lot better football player than I anticipated he was going to be. He walked in and demonstrated in the spring that he's ready to play college division one football. Now, captain of the teams, I'm not a guy that makes freshman captain of the team, any team. I'm a guy that wants a guy like Vanuku, somebody paid his dues that when he looks at you in the eyes, he says, hey, quit looking at the ground. Look at me when I'm talking. It's tough for a freshman to tell a senior that. I want a guy to be a captain that, hey, when I talk, I demand respect. You hear me, son? Or we'll go out in the shed. And and it's difficult to do that, even that he couldn't take somebody out in the shed. He's a tough kid, good player, but I think that his time will come. They've got great competition out there. 
It's hard to say who's the best, I could say, but I'm not going to say. I'm waiting anxiously to see what the depth chart's going to be on who and where. But uh, I think he's got a great future at USC, and I think he was a great recruit. All right. Uh, good stuff there. Let's go to uh, Troy75. He says, it seems that last year running plays were being blown up early by penetration from defensive line, linemen and linebackers. Do you think that the use of the fullback would help to at least get the running backs in the uh, running, excuse me, get the running backs to the line before being met by a defender? It seems that John McKay might have been on to something when he lined up a fullback in front of the tailback. What do you think? It would be a shame to waste two terrific athletes like Soma and Jaleel Pinner. Uh, thanks for your answer and fight on Troy 75. Well, you know, it always works better when you have two running backs because your primary of running, you'd like to have a running game that, that, that you can do different series off of and different plays and fakes and different actions. But the USC offense is not built for that. It's, it's a one-back set with, with receivers, and we've talked about the philosophy of the tight end. The tight end is really a receiver, large receiver, not really a tight end. I don't want to repeat all that, because if you're a regular listener, you've heard me go through that. Uh, I think that the penetration comes from people not taking the correct step, not being low enough, not driving your legs and filling the gap next to you. Because when you do this type of blocking, you, 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 you step to the way of the play, and if your guy goes away from you, he's the other guy that's coming behind you, and you take the guy that's coming to that gap. Because the way it goes is they never leave a gap unmanned. So someone's got responsibility for that gap. So when you start, start if you're stepping to the right, you've got to be ready for somebody coming from head up on you into that gap where well, you've got to cut him off. Or if he goes away from you, you let him go and you go up to the second level and pick up who's there or somebody that's coming to you from the guy who was on head up on the other guy. And you've got to get off and you've got to be aggressive and you've got to be quick and powerful. You just can't sit back and wait and watch it happen. You can't allow penetration on the offensive line in a running game. Because you stop the play before it gets started, just as you mentioned. You stop start to stop the play before you get started. So uh, uh, this new blocking scheme is completely different than, than what used to be. It used to be you got off the line of scrimmage. You double team, you trapped, you hold your guards, you do a lot of different things than what you do today. And uh, it's a different philosophy. If you watch Stanford play, and you're going to see it at Michigan and uh, some of these other schools that believe in still power football, you, you see that. But uh, today it's basically all spreads and read zones and all of that stuff, which is good. But uh, you got to be able to run the football in that. And, you know, Ohio State does it. Oregon does it. Look at Oregon's running game. They run the football. Now, don't get me wrong. Oregon throws the football. They got great quarterbacks, but why do they? Why are they good? They run the football. Marshall, Freeman, these running backs—they've had their. Hey, man, when they hit the hole, they're gone. Because their offensive line is well schooled, and does a great job of picking up the gaps and the seams, and the quarterback can run the football. And when the football can be run by the quarterback, you can't collapse. 
You can't, and that spreads the field. But when SC does it, their quarterbacks don't run the football. So it's actually easier for them to stop it. Okay? Thanks, buddy. Go All ahead. Right. I was just looking at my phone call, and I was sorry I said that. Thanks. Buddy. No, that's okay. I got a message. Go ahead. That's what I wanted to answer. Okay. We got a couple more for you. We'll knock them out. Uh, hey, Ryan, this is Dennis from Lancaster. My question is for Coach Hyde. Uh, have you seen enough improvement of the past two, uh, uh, the two problem areas for our defense, defensive line and at safety, to be more optimistic of them not being a weakness this season? I believe if we can have a solid rotation in those two areas, we might have the beef's best defense in the Pac-12. Love the show and fight on. Now, the first thing was what? The linebackers or defense? I know the secondary question. What was the Oh, he's talking about the, the two weaknesses being the defensive line and safeties. If you think that they've both improved enough, that could make this the best defense of the Pac-12. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know every defense in the Pac-12. I know Arizona State gets after you pretty good. But they, they believe in coming every down and getting after you and having fun over there. And UCLA ain't going to be too bad this year, I think, too. I think Bradley's going to do a good job over there. And, you know, it's this track 12. I mean, uh, wow. It's, it's pretty darn good. Okay. But I think that they'll, they'll be a good defense. I do. I think they demonstrated that Saturday when you let it go. Yeah. I think that they've, uh, shirt up the, the, uh, secondary. Kevin Seymour's proved that Marshall's in there. He's proved, and the incoming freshmen are unbelievable. Uh, I mean, they got great safeties. They they really do corners. I don't want to go through all their names, but they can rotate around. They got guys that can play. I told you the first podcast we did at the first practice I was at, which was the second practice they had, this the best group of athletes I've seen at SC as a whole in five to ten years. Now, getting them on the right position, right position where they can play and get after you and playing the type of defense they can play is part of why they call you coach because you've got to put these guys in a position where they can excel at their skill level of what their skill t- tells them they can do and what you see they can do. So, yeah, the defensive line, along with help from the defensive ends and linebackers and so on, can make the front as good enough to be a possible, I'm not saying the best defense in the Pac-12, but they got a lot of challenges in front of them in the Pac-12. But they can play in the Pac-12. Let's put it together that way and do well. All right. And we got one last one for you, Coach, and we'll let you go. Um, from Terry, and he says, it was reported that prior to the last scrimmage, Coach, Coach Sark remarked that he expected the team to be playing more physically, even saying that he was impressed. Uh, I'm sorry, even saying that he was surprised uh, that he had to mention it. However, in my mind, the players are coming off several seasons where they did not practice physically in order to minimize injuries to a depleted roster. And I agree with your philosophy that physical play must be ingrained in the football program through practice techniques, play calling, and other factors that are maintained and reinforced over time. Coach, is it expecting too much for the team to flip the switch and become super physical after only a few weeks of fall practice from Tarion? Yes. Uh, it comes from a personality. Uh, I always feel this. I think a team has the personality of its head coach or its defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. I mean, they know that, uh-oh, the old man's pissed. Uh-oh, and that goes to everybody. 
I once threw my whole coaching staff off the field because I thought they were doing a terrible job. And then I once turned my watch back. This is when you didn't have hours. I said, okay, since you guys walked through the first hour of this practice, we're starting practice over. Got them all together. Said, okay, period one. Here we go, since we wasted the first hour. Not often did I do that, but I tried to say, hey, we're not coaching well, we're not practicing well, and I expect better. And then they knew I loved them. They knew I loved them anywhere. The coaches afterwards, I'd meet with them and the guys, it was a necessary thing to do. I need to get their attention. We were wasting the day. Nothing directed to you individually, but something I needed to do. Understood it. Their baby thought he was going to come in and fire us all. No. But the point of it is, you've got to be able to see, I'm not a soft, I think things have changed, I guess, since I coached. You didn't take your helmet off when I coached unless I told you to. You could have all the water you wanted. If you wanted water, there was a trainer with every individual group there with water to give you water anytime you wanted. But to me, I don't want to call your name to go into the game and you've got to go right to the bench and find your helmet. I said, find your helmet? Are you kidding me? Go in there without it on if you don't like to wear it. So, you know, I, I'm a guy to say when you come through the gate, when you come through that gate, your helmet is on, your socks are pulled up, you've got my attention, I've got your attention, this is your job, this is what you came to USC to do. Every single step on this field is going to be evaluated. I'm evaluating all of you because I love you, because I want every one of our post-game parties to be well, I come in the locker room and I say, hey, guys, I've already ordered the pizza. Let's get out of here. And that's what it's all about. You have one night to enjoy your victory before the next morning you're preparing for your next team. So it's so one simple hour of football. It's so valuable. 60 minutes? You may realize how many hours you put in and how many plays you run and what you have to do to just get 12 hours during the season of time, actual time, you can't waste anything, man. This is like big time. And uh, that's that's where the philosophy starts yeah, from the very beginning. I think these kids can are all physical kids. They've demonstrated that or you would never recruit them. They all can play big time football. Change them today to tomorrow? No but teach them in a positive way that we can learn off of what happened Saturday and be like the defense? Yes, immediately. And I think that's what needs to be done, but I don't say how to do it. I just talk about it. Coach, great stuff. We thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, answering all the questions. Lots of stuff to get to. We are jonesing for the start of the season, so I know you're excited about it too, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Ryan. And again, follow me at Coach Harvey Hyde, at Coach Harvey Hyde. And again, I want to thank Southern California Ticket Service and uh, for their sponsorship. And make sure you check them out. Do you have their number there, or website? I do, yeah. So uh, it, uh, we're going to play the, the full uh, ad right at the end of the show, too, so you can get it again. But Southern California Tickets is sctickets.com and 1-800-888-7287. And another thing, too, folks, uh, Ryan does a great job with uscfootball.com. His staff works so hard 
I see him down there. I mean, I don't even talk to him. I don't have time to talk to him because they're filming, they're texting, they're putting down everything that's happening down there. Uh, they got great staff. And, uh, Ryan, I just want to say have a great season. I appreciate you, your staff, and being a part of your team. Okay? I appreciate you too, Coach. Thanks so much for the kind words. And thank you very much for coming on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.